Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and my distinguished colleague Maria Gallagher is away this week, but she has provided a legislative update that I will share later. If you are a parent of a school-aged child, you know that Tylenol cannot be given to your child without your written consent. So why is it that in some states, school-aged children can actually get an abortion without their parents even knowing? Our guest today is Eileen Roberts, founder of Parents for Life, who will share her own experience on this topic and fill us in on how her organization is making an impact nationwide. In addition, we'll discuss the impact of another highly effective program that serves women in need, the Pennsylvania Pregnancy and Parenting Support Program, which is operated by Real Alternatives. But first, we will have a bit of inspiration. This week's can be found in a true crime podcast that tells the story of a serial killer. Now, you might wonder, what is inspirational about that? It sounds gruesome. Serial killer a true crime podcast, recounts the incredible story of Kermit Gosnell, the Philadelphia abortionist who is now serving three life sentences in Huntington State Penitentiary for murdering Karnamaya Mongar during an abortion and for killing babies after they were born. So again, how is this inspirational? Well, the inspiration is the people who are responsible for the podcast. Anne McElhenney, who had been a guest on this program previously, and her husband, Phelan McAleer. They are outstanding investigative journalists and gifted storytellers who are committed to making sure that Gosnell's crimes are known. Because mainstream media failed to cover this story as they do any other big news story, it just didn't fit their agenda. So McElhenney and McAleer committed themselves to telling the story and exposing those who aided Gosnell in such a horrid crime spree. They delved deep into the details of this case in every way. They first wrote a superb book, a real page turner titled Gosnell, The Untold Story of America's Most Prolific Serial Killer. Then they made a groundbreaking movie that literally keeps you on the edge of your seat. That's called Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial, serial Killer. And now they have brought this true crime story to the very popular media form of podcasting in a podcast titled Serial Killer, a True Crime Podcast. Now I've read the book, I've watched the movie and I've listened to the new podcast and all three are compelling and highly recommended. Even after the book and the movie, I learned new information from the podcast because Anne and Phelan were able to interview key players in this case. For anyone not familiar with Kermit Gosnell and all that happened in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you need to listen to this podcast. And for anyone familiar with Gosnell and all that happened, you need to listen to this podcast. Because what happened right here in our state of Pennsylvania was essentially a killing spree that lasted over 17 years, but went uninvestigated. And it should never happen again, not in Pennsylvania, not anywhere. And in order to prevent another Gosnell, we have to know and acknowledge what he did. We must know the story. 
Serial Killer is a compelling podcast, but it is not just entertainment. It is a morality tale that should inspire and motivate us to do everything we can to protect helpless babies and vulnerable mothers from manipulative abortionists and from the predatory abortion industry. Anne McElhenney and Fella McLear are to be commended for telling a story that others wouldn't. We should all listen and share. Find Serial Killer, a true crime podcast on Spotify, Apple, or go directly to the website, SerialKillerPod.com. And now we turn to our next segment. The following information comes courtesy of Real Alternatives, which runs Pennsylvania's Pregnancy and Parenting Support Program. Real Alternatives exists to provide life-affirming pregnancy and parenting support services throughout the nation. These compassionate support services empower women to protect their reproductive health, avoid crisis pregnancies, choose childbirth rather than abortion, receive adoption education, and improve parenting skills. Real Alternatives is the nonprofit charitable organization that administers the pregnancy and parenting support services for the states of Pennsylvania and Indiana. The General Assembly of Pennsylvania in fiscal year 21-22 funds its program at $7.263 million through the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services. The state of Indiana in fiscal year 21-22 funds its program at $2.25 million through the Indiana State Department of Health. The Pregnancy and Parenting Support Services Program in Pennsylvania and Indiana are made up of a statewide or regional network of social service agencies, pregnancy support centers, maternity residences, and adoption agencies that offer comprehensive life-affirming alternatives to abortion to women dealing with unplanned pregnancies. Service providers with their 87 centers located throughout Pennsylvania and 21 centers in Indiana are staffed with fully trained caring, and compassionate counselors. These service providers are non-discriminatory, nonprofit organizations that are monitored annually to ensure compliance with the Department of Public Welfare standards. More than 405,000 women in Pennsylvania and Indiana have been served since the program began in March, 1996. Through their counselors, the centers offer free and confident support, encouragement, guidance, and practical assistance to women so that they do not need to choose abortion. Real Alternatives provides the following, confidential counseling and mentoring, non-judgmental atmosphere of understanding and support, free pregnancy self-test kits, clothing, food, and furniture pantries, temporary shelter, pregnancy, childbirth, and parenting classes, referrals to other community agencies and medical resources, abstinence education to modify risky lifestyle behavior, adoption information, assistance with education and career decisions, other related services necessary for the well-being of the mother and child. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation thanks Real Alternatives and their very committed staff 
for all of the service they provide to women throughout the Commonwealth. We are so blessed to have them helping women here, right here in our state. At this time, it is my pleasure to introduce today's guest. Eileen Roberts is the founder and president of Parents for Life, which serves as a collective voice for parents to be involved with their teen daughter's abortion decision. Eileen educates the public and legislators for the need of common sense legislation to protect minor aged girls and parents' right to know. She has testified on Capitol Hill on the Child Custody Protection Act, which makes it a federal offense to transport minors across state lines and throughout the country at state legislative hearings on parental notification and consent laws. I had the pleasure of meeting Eileen recently at the National Right to Life Convention in Atlanta, and I am thrilled that she can join us today to share her story and her advocacy for parents and their minor daughters. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you, it's good to be here. Eileen, can you take us back in time and tell us about life before and after your own teen daughter's abortion? Well, as you know, parenting teenagers is difficult, but we had the typical family and um, our daughter had become severely depressed and we searched for answers. We didn't like her boyfriend and we thought perhaps he had introduced her to drugs. So we searched her room and instead of seeing drug, finding drugs, we found an abortion clinic questionnaire that she had hid under her pillow that she forgot to mail back. And so we realized why she was depressed. She was hospitalized at that time for um, an, an incomplete abortion and uh, she needed reparative surgery to repair the damage done by the abortionist. And we had to sign a consent form to have that surgery, but yet we had not the right to know that she even was considering an abortion. And actually to add insult to injury, we were responsible, my husband and I were responsible for the follow-up surgery in the amount of $27,000, yet we didn't have to know about the abortion. Wow. I, I, as the mother of, of two daughters who are out of their teens now, I, I can't imagine the heartache you must have felt. Um, that, that must have just been a very, very difficult moment for you. It was. It affects the whole family. Yeah. Well, that is what kind of launched you into this advocacy. Um, how did you go about starting Parents for Life? And what have been some of your biggest accomplishments? Well, when I was driving home from my daughter's um, surgery for the botched abortion that um, happened in Virginia, I couldn't believe what happened. It occurred to me that our story was most likely one of many, and I thought laws needed to be um, made to protect our teen from the harm of abortion. I discovered that Virginia did not have a parental consent law or notification law. While listening to my Christian radio station one day as I lay in bed myself, being depressed from what had just happened to my daughter, I heard the news announcer state, Virginia once again failed to pass a parental consent law. I jumped out of bed and immediately called National Right to Life and asked what I could do. And it was then in approximately 1988 that I began speaking and sharing my story in legislative hearings and in Congress for the need of such common sense laws to protect our teens and restore parentals and restore parents' right to know. Did you find that other, were, were other parents surprised to find out about your experience or to find out that there weren't any parental consent, consent or notification laws? 
Yes, and actually they still do today. Um, they were surprised that a do- their daughter could have an abortion without them even knowing, but yet they had to consent to ear piercing as you re- referenced in the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like can't get a tattoo, can't get your ears pierced, can't take a Tylenol, like all of the things, you know, even if you go to, um, you know, we take our children to those trampoline parks, like the things you have to sign as a parent, right? To protect right. your children. And yet your child can get an abortion without you, not even, not your permission, not even knowing that they're pregnant. Exactly. And then you asked about um, my greatest accomplishments would have to be seeing parental consent notification laws being passed as well as the Child Custody Protection Act, um, which passed in Congress in 1988 as a result of my story. But that only happens, however, because I work with countless others in the states also working to protect our teens. So many states do actually have some form of either a parental notification or parental consent laws. I I actually pulled up some data um, and was looking at it. Um, Mm. Now, while some states have that, other states don't. So I wonder if you could speak to that in terms of where we are as a country. And then, you know, whether you think these laws are sufficient and are they safe from being reversed? Well, as of today, I pulled up some information too. 38 states have some form of parental consent or notification laws. It's a mixed bag, if you will. While they may be sufficient, they only protect our daughters if they are enforced and they are not safe from reversal, especially in light of the reversal of Roe. Now back to the states, we have a lot of work to do. We sure do. I, I'm just I'm just looking like in the District of Columbia, there's mm-hmm. absolutely no parental notification or um, consent. And that is true, it looks like in Connecticut and Maine, which kind of surprised me. Um, yeah, DC is only 45 miles here from Virginia. So um, even though abortion is still legal in Virginia right now, um, and there is a parental consent law, my concern right now is that it's not being enforced. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, I I mean, for me, I'm the mother of of five children, um, two of them girls, and um, and now I have grandchildren. And in my my past life, I was a middle school and a high school teacher. So, you know, I've been around lots of children my entire life, my entire teaching career. You know, and I I know teaching middle school children and high school children, their brains are are just developing. I mean, we know that scientifically, right? Like even into their 20s, they say that the the brain is not fully formed until your early 20s. So I'm just wondering if you could speak to, from your own experience, like, why are we giving children who don't have the capacity to make such life altering decisions that ability? Like what, what was your daughter's experience with that? Well, there's a plethora of information and research and studies by many psychologists and researchers on the maturity of adolescent decisions making that your listeners can find. Um, Mine is the observation of my own 14-year-old during those struggling teen years, who was an honest student. She was mature to make many decisions, but the difficulty comes when a teen is influenced by a boyfriend, a predator, or those wanting to do harm to our children. Decisions made emotionally never end well, especially the one 
that my daughter made. So we have a lot of uh, reasons why. Yeah. Yeah, I think you bring up an important point, too, that um, we know in the pro-life movement is that so many women um, don't freely make this choice. They feel pressured into it by someone else. And often it is the, the father of the baby who is the critical factor for her, whether she'll choose abortion or choose life. And, you know, just to think about a 14-year-old child having to process, um, you know, well, the short-term consequences versus the long-term consequences. It, it's a lot to put on a very young a young lady who, you know, who, whose most important decision should be, you know, what course is she going to register for next year? Or, you know, or what college is she going to choose? Um, it, it's, it's unbelievable that there are people in our country who think that children should have the capacity to make this sort of decision without even talking to their parents. Um, I'm wondering if you could speak to something new um, that has developed over the last few years, and that is chemical abortion, which now comprises the majority of abortions, both in our state of Pennsylvania and nationwide. And so chemical abortions and also telemedicine, where a young girl could actually order abortion medication, like over the internet, over the phone. How is this affecting the issue of parental consent? Well, it's huge. It's really huge. Um, chemical abortions are the greatest threat to all women, but especially to our teen daughters, as parental consent and notification is essentially non-existent in telemedicine. Teens can make appointments online with so-called physician and the pills are sent in the mail to a post office box or to their friend's house without any knowledge by the parent. Imagine a mom or dad surprised when their daughter is hemorrhaging in their bathroom and it is then when the mom or dad find out their child was pregnant. So more must be done. I mean, again, with the laws back to the states, I think the legislative bodies have a lot of work to do and parents need to express their concern. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in addition to the fact that because of telemedicine, a lot of young women are getting this abortion pill and being told it's just like having a heavy period. But the reality is that, you know, if they haven't been seen by a doctor, they might have an ectopic pregnancy, they may be carrying twins, they may have gotten their due date wrong. So, you know, a young woman could be in the bathroom of her home, as you said, hemorrhaging out and her parents don't know anything about it. And then when they find out, you know, that she needs additional medical assistance, that might be the first time that they ever heard of the pregnancy or, or understand what's going on. Um, and then, you know, they might be reluctant to even report this as an abortion. So we don't even know how much this is happening because those things exactly. aren't even collected. Right? Exactly. I, if I could, um, I search, if you search um, on the internet about um, telemed and the abortion pill, it says it's easy, affordable, and confidential. Following a video visit with our caring professional patient advocate, and physician, your FDA-approved abortion medication will be discreetly delivered from a licensed pharmacy to your mailing address in three to five days. You can also have it shipped to a post office via general delivery in our eligible states. And it also goes on to say that the cost for that, all that care is $400. Now, what 14-year-old has $400? So that makes her go to her friends, borrow money. I mean, so it's, it's huge, the snowball effect is yeah. beyond what we even could imagine. 
And, and also, you know, an abusive boyfriend could order mm. these himself and administer it to his girlfriend without her knowing it. So, I mean, exactly. The, the opportunity for abuse is just tremendous. And I, I think you're right. I think this is really going to be an important issue on the state level that needs to be addressed. Tell us a little bit more about this Child Custody Protection Act, why it was so important and the impact it has had. Um, the Child Custody Protection Act as you stated, makes it a federal offense to transport minors across state lines to evade parental consent and notification laws. It has a great impact on protecting teens and protecting parental rights. However, the, again, the question arises as to whether this federal law is being enforced. Um, fortunately, the latest action on the CCPA was on January 19th, 2019. Um, the law has been read twice and referred to the Committee on the Judiciary. Um, the sponsor of the bill is Senator Portman from Ohio. So your listeners can find all congressional bills at congress.gov. Um, my mission hasn't changed since the reversal of Roe. My work will be escalating since Roe has been sent back to the states. But um, it does have an impact because if parental, if Planned Parenthood is obeying the law, they have to notify the parent or they can't do the abortion because it's a federal offense. But again, we, I know this is repetitious, but it all goes back to whether this, these laws are being enforced. And that's the investigation that needs to go on, I think, from here forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, I, I'm alarmed at hearing um, some of these cities and some of these governors, our own governor here in Pennsylvania, who issued an executive order and saying that abortionists from other states where abortion is banned or restricted are welcome to come to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And women from other states where abortion is banned or restricted are welcome to come to Pennsylvania, almost like it's an abortion sanctuary. And as, as though we don't have enough abortion here already. Um, so, you know, and, you know, in his executive order, he stated that there will be no law enforcement. I mean, nobody's looking to punish women seeking abortions. No. That needs to be made clear. So nobody, no state is looking to do that. But we are holding abortionists accountable in those states where it is banned. And he will not cooperate or allow any law enforcement. So in essence, our own governor right now is kind of looking the other way when things happen. And isn't that what happened with Kermit Gosnell? right? With the beginning segment. I mean, here was an abortionist for 17 years who was allowed to operate in this filthy, disgusting clinic where he, he, you know, exploited women at their most vulnerable moment and injured them and gave them STDs and did all this stuff. And people reported him to the Department of Health and Department of Welfare. And yet our state officials took no action against this man. So I'm really worried about now that this goes back to the states and we have, um, you know, these situations and with these minors as well, will they look the other way when these rules are broken? As I told Congress and uh, different state legislators, all we're asking as parents is to pick up the phone and these clinics need to pick up the phone and say, Mrs. Roberts, your daughter is here. She's requesting an abortion, but we're sending her back home to you because we know that you are the only one in her life who knows her best, who has her best interest and knows her medical history to make a well-informed decision. That's all we're asking. We're not asking to punish the abortionist. We're not asking for criminal um, charges, although that could happen. So all we're asking is for a parental right to know right. that their daughter yeah. is seeking an abortion. It's so basic. 
It's so basic, yes. just like you're informed about your child getting a Tylenol, right? It's so basic. This is a big, big decision, a life ending and life altering decision. And yes, parents are the, the, the closest ones to their children. They should know. Um, so we started this podcast talking about your own family and, and the personal tragedy that you endured. So I'm wondering just for um, our listeners benefit, can you share how your daughter is doing today? She's doing well. She's married. She has two teenage children. Well, actually, one is in his 20s. Um, and she just um, ran in the Boston Marathon in March. And um, she's doing very well. I appreciate you asking. Oh, that's that's good to know. Um, so uh, I'm wondering if there's anything else you want parents to know or you feel they need to be equipped to know. Well, I don't know if we have enough time, but I'll try to do this as quickly. We um, have a few minutes. Sure. So um, just to reiterate, you know, while parental consent laws give parents the right to know, we know parental consent laws are not being enforced. I had the privilege meeting with a staff member of Lieutenant Governor Sears's office with a former Planned Parenthood abortion worker who verified abortion clinics rubber stamping a girl's request for a judicial bypass. All the teen has to say is, I can't tell my parents. Um, if state laws are being ignored, parental consent laws are useless. Now every state has the opportunity and obligation to protect our daughters like never before. I hope to accomplish many things, most importantly to ensure parental consent and notification laws to be enforced statewide and on the federal level. If laws aren't enforced, no matter what the law, they are useless and many will die. We already have lost more than 63 million children to abortion. Um, parents need more than ever to call their elected officials and ask if they know if their current laws are being enforced. Parents also need to tell them that the law needs to be amended to include protecting minors in their states from being transported across state lines. Um, Virginia turned red this past November, as many of you know, we were in national news, but with a purple General Assembly and a majority pro-abortion Virginia Senate, um, we are in need of another red wave. And I'm sure in many, many states as well. Um, just encourage your listeners to know your state laws and show up at your legislative sessions. Eileen Roberts of Parents for Life, we are so grateful for your advocacy, for, for using your own experience to help other people. We thank you and we wish you the very best. Thank you, Bonnie, it was a pleasure. Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State with more than 40 local county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals from the very dawn of life to the twilight of life. To learn more about the inspiring work of the Federation, please visit our website at paprolife.org. My thanks to you, our listeners who inspire us each week. Thank you for joining us. We are grateful for your continuing support. Remember, there's always a reason to choose life.